I'm going to start off with a story. So when I was a child, I was afraid of the dark. Was anyone else afraid of the dark as a child? Okay, let's see. Okay, good. I've got some friends in the house. So, you know, when you're afraid of the dark, you have to do certain things to, like, you know, compensate for this fear. And so bedtime was particularly tricky because, of course, the lights are going to go off. And so I am slightly embarrassed to admit this, but here it goes. Um, Every night until the night I got married, I looked underneath my bed. I needed to make sure that there was nothing underneath there. Now, for the last 17 years, uh, I figured if there's something under our bed, Mike can handle it. So I've uh, stopped that practice. I'm pretty proud of myself, actually. Um, But, you know, there were other things I had to do. I had to sleep with the nightlight on, right? And then I had to, like, face the door so that I could escape from what? Mostly my imagination, but it felt very, very real. Um, So we grew up in a family where we didn't have, like, traditional pets, no cats or dogs. We had four boys, and mom said there was enough animals. I mean messes. I mean messes. But in a moment of weakness, they got us rabbits. Okay, now rabbits, they need a hutch. Okay, so we built this little hutch, and my parents put it in the scariest part of our yard, behind a pool shed, covered by trees and bushes. Okay, now, Unfortunately, we never remembered to take care of the rabbits, and we'd get asked when it was pitch black, hey, have you, you know, fed the rabbits? And, of course, the answer was always no. And so they would make us go out in the dark to the scariest part of the yard. I mean, this is the stuff that nightmares are made of. I still am slightly scared when I think about this. I am proud, though, to say that now I'm mostly healed of being afraid of the dark. I say mostly because I do want to be honest I have a, I'm very afraid of mice, and Mike opened a dark closet today to find a fresh mouse who is now in eternity, but I now don't have to move, but we've had to set some other traps. Um, yeah, and I can go upstairs and, like, retrieve things from my children from a dark room, so that's all good, which is important because my kids are now afraid of the dark. Um, and my boys were out this week taking out the trash, and I heard one son say to the other son, hey, don't leave me out here, it's too dark. And I thought to myself, ah, my sons, so proud, so proud. So physical darkness, right? It's scary for many of us. But now as an adult, I find that there is a different type of darkness that is way more frightening. And this is the darkness of sin and brokenness and oppression. And it's so prevalent in our world. It doesn't take long to see this type of of darkness. And this type of darkness, it leads to death. It leads to physical death, but it also leads to spiritual death and relational death and, and, and emotional death. Darkness leads to death. Well, last week, Gino Allison was here and he launched us into our brand new series called Let There Be Light. And he encouraged us to be kingdom troublemakers. I just loved it. We want to be light going into those dark places to bring the good news of God. And today I'm going to continue in our series, and I'm going to use part of my message from More Love, More Power, where we talk about this whole idea of darkness versus light. We live in a very dark world, and we need a solution. Well, thankfully, Jesus has something to say about this. And so I'm going to take us right now to John chapter 8. This is what Jesus says. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What does this mean? What does it mean when Jesus says, I am the light of the world? What does it mean when he says, if you follow after me, you will have the light of life? 
it almost feels a little bit cryptic, but what we're going to discover today is that while darkness leads to death, the more light we have in our lives, the more life we have in our lives. More light, more life. I'm going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be our teacher today. And so we just say, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to be the teacher today, to give us ears to hear. Jesus, you say you're the light of the world, and we want to understand what that means for us. And so we just say, come and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it doesn't take long to see darkness. Turn on the news, take a scroll on your phone, talk to your friends, your neighbors, your family, and you'll see that there are there is so much brokenness. There is so much oppression in lots of different ways. And what is particularly overwhelming is there's like oppression and, and sin and brokenness at all these different levels, right? We, we know that like in the past year and a half, we've seen like, wow, there's some brokenness in the education system. There's brokenness in our healthcare system. There's brokenness in our government. And so there's brokenness on all these different scales. So there's kind of this big scale but then, of course, we also know that brokenness affects our lives directly. And I don't know if you've heard this story, but just recently there was a young man who was a recent graduate of the University of Illinois, and he was on North Prospect. Um, how many of you just, how many of you have been on North Prospect in the last week? Okay, great. I mean, it's a place that we're all at, right? And a car cut him off, and he honked his horn. And when that car pulled up next to him, he was shot in the neck, rendering him paralyzed and unable to speak just in a random act of gun violence. And I know my heart has just been heavy as I've seen like the violence and the uptick in our community right here. The darkness, it feels per pervasive. It's discouraging. It's disheartening, isn't it? And so we have, we have darkness kind of on these like, like systems. And then we know darkness affects people. But of course, we also know darkness affects us personally. And this often plays out in our life through sin. You see, I think what has happened to many of us, specifically in the last 20 months, is our eyes have gotten adjusted to the dark world that we're living in. Isn't this weird about our eyes? You know, our eyes are amazing, aren't they? Like we can see so many different things. But when you walk into a dark room and, you know, at first you can't see anything, right? You're kind of like stumbling. But then what happens to your eyes? Your eyes adjust. And no, you can't see perfectly, but you can see good enough. And I think this is what's actually happened with some of the habits in our lives over these last 20 months. We've actually had our eyes kind of adjust to the darkness and things that we would have normally said, oh no, I'm not gonna do that. That's not God's best for me. Suddenly we've just thought to ourselves, well, I think it's okay now. You know, the first time you watched pornography, you thought to yourself, ugh, I'm not doing that again. I feel gross. But then slowly but surely, you find yourself going back to that vice. Or, you know, you, you, everyone's talking about this show, you're bored one night, you decide to check out the show, and yes, it's vile and there's violence and there's terrible language, but you've convinced yourself you care about the characters. And so you continue to watch the show even though you know it's not good for you. Or you're at work and you know that complaining and gossip, that's not what Jesus wants for our lives. But you know what, everybody's doing it. And one day at work, you know, you kind of unload and gosh, it felt good to get that off my chest. And, you know, everybody loves a common enemy. And now you're all just every lunch kind of vomiting on each other. You see, I think what has happened to many of us is that the, the darkness, we've just become adjusted to it. More darkness equals more death. 
What this is doing is it's actually killing our relationships. It's killing our friendships. It's killing our mental health. This darkness that's kind of just like crept into our lives, it needs to go. You know, I think what ends up happening is that, you know, darkness leads us to sin and sin leads us to, to numbness. We're trying to numb. You know, we, we, we don't like what we're doing. We're like, okay, I've got to numb myself. And I think then what happens is that numbness leads to dumbness. Numbness leads to dumbness. We, we start to just do dumb things in an attempt to feel better. But you know what? There's actually a better way. You don't have to just feel better. There's actually freedom. Because there is darkness in this world, but Jesus is the light of the world. And so that's why we actually want to take time to study what does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? What impact does it have on our lives? Because it really should have an impact on our lives. And so I'm going to take us right now to the book of John. And this is where we're going to be hanging out today. Um, John loved light. And so he loved to use light and illustrate with light. He was kind of a light guy. And so we're going to work our way through some of this gospel to better understand what Jesus means when he says, I am the light of the world. Okay, I'm going to pick up in verse 4. He starts this gospel by painting this picture of Jesus, connecting him to the creation story, and sharing how he is going to be the answer that we need. Okay, in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to, listen up, everyone was coming into the world. What does this, what does this passage mean? What does it mean that Jesus was life? And in him was the light of men. It's almost like a little tongue twister right there. But what I believe John is saying is this. Jesus is the source of all life. And when our life is connected to him, we live in light. Now, the, the life that Jesus is, that John is talking about here that's connected to Jesus, it's not bios life. It's not like the eating and the sleeping and the going about our day-to-day the life that Jesus has to offer us is a life called Zoe life. That's the Greek right there, Zoe, meaning abundant, meaning eternal. The life that Jesus has to offer us, it is so good and it is so rich. But this is what I fear. I fear that many of us have actually been settling for what the world says is a good life. And we actually had a message on this a couple weeks ago um, from Samuel. You can go back and listen to that message. So right now, I want you to take a, a moment. I want you to audit your life. I want you to think about the darkness in your life or the light in your life. Are you, are you satisfied? Do you want more light in certain areas? Because I think this is what happens. We start going after what the world tells us is the good life. And that actually leads us to darkness many times. Now, not all the time. But many times it does. The life that Jesus is actually promising us here is the life of shalom. This is a life of wholeness and completeness and, and like the best that you can imagine, the most incredible peace that you can imagine. This is the life that Jesus has to offer us. 
Now, in this passage, we read a very, very important verse. You know, we read that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, when you walk into a room and flip on a light, the darkness has to go. The darkness has to go. And so what this scripture is saying is that the light, Jesus, beats the darkness, the enemy. It cannot overcome it. In another translation, it says it cannot comprehend it. It's like Jesus and light are speaking a completely different language than this dark, dark world, which is good news because we have a lot of darkness that we need to get rid of. So right here in this little passage, we see a couple of things. Jesus equals light. Jesus equals life. This light is for everyone, which is amazing news. Now that doesn't mean that every single person saved. We're going to talk about this because we do believe you have to receive the light. But it is for everyone, which is incredible news, especially when we look at the brokenness and the oppression and the problems that abound in our world. And lastly, the light shines into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So this is good news. And so we're like, okay, great, we got good news. But then there's also some bad news. And the bad news is this, the world actually loves darkness. You know this. I want to go now to John 3, and this is Jesus and Nicodemus, and they're talking. And actually, John, like John 3, John 3.16, how many of you know John 3.16? Most people do. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And so Nicodemus and Jesus, they're having this conversation right before this. And, and Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, the world has it wrong. I'm not here to judge the world, I'm here to save the world. And I think this is a word for some of us as we reflect on the darkness that's in our own life. I'm not here today as a messenger of condemnation. I'm here today as a messenger of freedom. Jesus has actually already taken care of the sin issue. Our job is to receive that and then allow his Holy Spirit to do some serious work in our lives. Okay, but there is a problem. So Jesus is like, listen, I'm not here to judge, I'm actually here to save. But there's a problem. So let's go to John 3, 19. And this is what Jesus says is the problem. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come, out, does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen, again, think about our dark eyes getting adjusted, that his works have been carried out in God. You know, personally, I just really feel like this is a really contemporary scripture for our world. Our world loves darkness, and it should actually not surprise us. Like when we look at the world, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have to dishearten us, but it shouldn't surprise us. The world loves darkness. Honestly, I feel like Satan has made darkness and sin attractive and seductive. And so what happens, the scripture tells us the oppressors, I love that Gino went here last week where he talked about that there's always going to be oppressors and we get to battle against those. Oppressors do not want to lose their power. So some of the darkness that's in our world, it is darkness that is fought for. These people do not want their works to come into the light. You know, I think if I said to everyone right now, like, do you love the darkness? Almost all of us would be like, no, I don't love the darkness. But I fear that our behavior actually betrays our belief. We say we don't love the darkness, and yet our eyes, they just easily adjust. 
And suddenly we're doing things we don't want to do. And today I just sense there is freedom. There is, there is freedom to actually say, Jesus, shine your light into the areas of my life that are dark. You know, it's like as a mother, I, I want my children to come and tell me before I find out on my own. All the mothers say amen. I feel like it's actually the same way with, with God today. I feel like God's saying, you know, come and tell me. Open your heart up. We, we aren't robots. We aren't robots. This is a relationship. And so to the extent that we say, Jesus, shine your light into the dark areas of my life, I think that that is how we will have some freedom today. And this is hard and this is vulnerable and this is painful. You know, when I've said to Jesus, Jesus, I'm struggling gossiping. Let's just all admit, like, who doesn't gossip? We all can struggle in that area. You know what he loves to do? Take some duct tape and just whoop. That stuff hurts too, you know, you go to rip it off and just a sad story. You know, what about as a mother? Like, I mean, I love him. I made him. I know I made him. But dear Lord, help me have patience. And I will just admit, you know, I've got a lot of energy. I have maybe used my energy before in my children and then felt very, very bad, you know, in a yelling form. And I've had to say to God, like, God, there's some darkness in this area of I just don't have patience. I'm too snippy. I'm too snappy. And I have allowed God to shine his light into that area. This is what I think Jesus is saying to us today. He's saying, actually, let my light shine into these areas. Because what did we see there in that scripture? We saw that when things came into the light, we could see clearly. And we want to be able to see clearly in this dark world. Okay, I want to go back now to John 8, to the original saying where Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And let me give you just a little bit of historical context. Okay. So the Jewish people have just gotten done celebrating the Feast of the Tabernacle. This is one of the important feasts that they celebrate where they are celebrating and remembering all that God did during the Exodus. Now, light was a very important part of this feast because in the wilderness, God guided his people by a pillar of fire at night. And one of the most important things they did was a ceremony called the Illumination of the Temple. It's where two huge golden chandeliers were raised up in the temple and they lit them with candles. And then people would dance underneath and they would remember and they would proclaim, our God is a God of light. He's the God that said, let there be light. He was a fire who led us through the darkness. Our God is a guiding light in our lives. So this festival, it's just ended. These huge chandeliers, they're still hung, but all the candles are out. It's the next morning. And on this backdrop, Jesus begins to teach, and this is what he says to them. This is John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I want you to imagine this for a moment. Here they've been worshiping the God of light. They have these huge candelabras behind them. And now Jesus is saying, God has been your light and now I will be your light going forward. If you follow me, you will live in the light. You will have a, a, a guiding source. You will have direction. What does light do in our lives? It shows us the way. It reveals what's hidden. It keeps us free. So what Jesus is actually saying here is he's saying, listen, guys, I am the light of the world. 
in me, you're going to have light and life. More light, more life. This is what Jesus is actually saying. This is such a life-changing verse if we could understand what Jesus is saying. That he is saying in this moment, I am the light and I am the life. And following me is going to change everything. And this is more than just like tagging along. It's not like, oh, yeah, 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 I follow that guy. No, this is intimacy. This is union. This is us being grafted together. This is us doing life with one another. And this is actually how the darkness is going to go, not only in our lives, but in the world. Jesus has come to shine and to show the way. More light, more life. Well, I think that this prompts us to say, okay, then what's our response? How can we respond to the good news that Jesus is the light of the world? And I heard two things. The first thing that we want to do is we want to receive. Okay, we want to receive the light. And the way that we do that is the first time is that we receive him as our Lord. And if you haven't done that today, we'd love to introduce you to him. But I think that we also need to understand that receiving needs to be done regularly. We need to actually receive daily with him, where he fills us with his presence. He gives us his peace. We're filled with his fruit. We need to receive from him. You know, I, I think for, for many of us, you know, this kind of seems like, yeah, yeah, I, I know that I need to do that. But we are new creations. The old is gone, the new is here. But we are learning to live in that new identity. And we were actually built to be so dependent upon him. So I believe that some of us were actually dim or we're dark right now because we actually just haven't received from Jesus. Now, I'm getting older, but I have, I have some great young people in my life. And I didn't know that you could wear tennies like this, but this is the most comfortable preach I've ever had in my entire life. And, you know, I've noticed, like, the, the, the trends are changing. And, you know, I've noticed, like, a lot of things I wore in high school 25 years ago are, like, now popular again. I'm like, gosh, I should have saved that. Now I know. But on a more serious note, one thing that I have been grieved about as a pastor, as I've talked to many different people, is I feel like there's something that's going out of style that never should. And that's spending time with Jesus. Having a quiet time. I know it's not cool. Like devotion, quiet time. I know that's not like a, name it what you want to name it. Spend time with Jesus. You need to read the Bible. You need to worship. You need to journal. You need to spend time receiving the light. Your life is dark, receive the light. What Jesus does when we receive him is he actually displaces the darkness in our life. He actually says to you, hey, that's not best for you. Let me help you. Let me empower you. Let me fill you. This isn't a condemnation. This is a conviction. He doesn't call you out. He loves to call you up. He's a good father. He's saying to you, this is not what's best for you. So many of us, we're confused. We're like, well, I'm doing what I know I shouldn't do, but this is just the lot in life. Stop it. Amen. Receive the light. Receive the Holy Spirit so that he can help you walk in freedom. Jesus paid a high price for our freedom. And, and I, I believe that Jesus wants us to know that he wants to free us from darkness so that we are free for our destiny. Free from darkness so we can be free for our destiny. Some of you, young people, you might be thinking like, okay, well, I, I know God's going to do amazing things with me. He cares deeply about your character. 
all of us. He cares deeply about our character. He cares deeply about our personal life and our inner workings. He wants to displace the darkness in our lives. And so right now, I think we have to ask ourselves, okay, are there any areas of my life where I want more life? Like, do I want more life at my workplace? Then I need more light at my workplace. More Jesus, more life. Do I want more life in my finances? I need more Jesus in my finances. It's every area. Let me take you right now to Proverbs. This is 623. For truth is a bright beam of light shining into every area of your life, instructing and correcting you to discover the ways to godly living. Another verse says, this is a light, a lamp unto your feet. Jesus, this is a, this is a beautiful picture. Jesus is a bright light in our life, showing us the way. And what did we read there? It's for every area of our life. Where is their darkness? Receive from Jesus the light. Okay, the second thing that I heard him say was reflect. Now, I just think this is so cool. So Jesus has seven I am statements in the Bible. And we did one for uh, our Jesus series. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Or maybe you've heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life. But this, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, that is one of those seven statements. Did you know that this is the only statement of those seven statements that we get to be too? Like, you're not the bread. I'm not the way. But he is the light. And he says, we are the light too. Matthew 5.14 says, you are the light of the world which is why I had to wear my light of the world t-shirt. Because listen, this is the good news. He's the light, but so are we. So first we receive him and then we reflect him. First we receive him and then we reflect him. And this is actually what displaces darkness in our own lives, in our family's lives, in our community's lives. It just keeps going and going and going. We get to image Jesus to the world. And this was all part of the original assignment that Jesus had for us. Now, how many of you love to share your faith? You love to evangelize. Okay, I see a couple of hands. Well, good for you. It's hard for the rest of us. I'm just admitting, it's hard. I know that's not what you wanted to hear your pastor say. It's hard. But I, I felt like today, and I'm preaching to myself first, so Jesus, you hear my words. There's just a fresh invitation to share what Jesus has done in our lives. It's a season of sharing. Could we actually look at our lives and could we say, Jesus, what have you done and what do I get to give away? You know, what we love to say here is what God does in you, he wants to do through you. And you don't have to be anybody else but yourself. You just get to be yourself. And so what I want you to do is I want you to reflect first on your own life. Where has Jesus actually displaced the darkness? Where has Jesus brought you freedom? That's where you get to give it away to the world. And this is actually what changes that higher level of darkness, those systematic places of darkness. God has placed some of you in very specific places to be a light, to reflect his goodness, to share what he has done in and through you.
You know, we love to say we encounter love, we experience transformation, and we extend the miraculous. This is who God has made us to be. We first receive him, and then we reflect him. We get to join him in this work of dismantling darkness. Like, it just gets me excited because it's like there's something to do. There's a job. I love lists, you know, organizing things and things like that. So I, I feel really excited about that. Jesus wants to partner with us. He wants to bring more light and more life into all of our lives. Well, I want to end our time together today by sharing a story of Cassie and Cord Schaefer. And they walked through an incredibly dark season. And I know many of you are in this place right now. And so this is what Cassie writes. She writes, Cord and I got married in 2011. We started struggling in our relationship pretty much from the start. Our intimacy was always a place of contention in our relationship. All my life, I had heard women complaining how annoying it was that their husbands wanted sex constantly. My experience was quite the opposite. I couldn't understand why my husband never wanted to have sex with me. I felt inadequate as a woman and spent many years trying to fix outward things to elicit my husband's desire for me. I was filled with shame and felt so alone. A few years into our marriage, I, I started suspecting my husband had a pornography addiction, and he eventually confided in me that he had experienced abuse in his childhood that left him deeply wounded and struggling to connect with me emotionally. I started to intercede for him at this point, realizing he was imprisoned by the pain of his past. I had no idea the depths of his bondage and really didn't understand the cost of the freedom that I prayed for. The answer to my prayer came one painful night almost seven years into our marriage when I discovered a hidden dating app on my husband's phone revealing that he had been involved in multiple affairs. Our marriage blew up that night and I was ready to leave him. The pain of his betrayal felt like too much to bear and the idea of continuing life with someone I couldn't trust and didn't even feel like I knew felt agonizing. The darkness was overwhelming. In the midst of making plans to leave our marriage, the Lord reminded me of the story of some friends in our small group and how God had healed and restored their marriage after infidelity. I reached out to them, and they immediately stepped into our lives and helped us wade through the wreckage. What I love here is that this couple, this other couple who'd already gone through this, they had received the light, and now they're reflecting the light to Cassie and Cord in this moment. During this season, Cord had a powerful encounter with one of the pastors in which he had a deliverance experience that empowered him to be able to take ownership of his destructive behaviors and take personal responsibility for pursuing healing, our relationship, and the mess he had caused. He received the light. We began seeing a Christian counselor, and the Lord surrounded us with a community of people through our church who loved us and walked us through this pain full time. The Lord showed us that the way forward forward was living transparent lives before each other, our counselor and trusted friends. He showed us that sin and shame, this is a word for some of you, have no power over us when brought into the light. Bringing sin into the light means living a life of honest confession. Cord established many measures of accountability on his devices and went as far as changing his career to rebuild the trust that was broken in our relationship. One of the most painful things about this for me was that Cord and I had talked about growing our family and having another baby before I found out he had been cheating. After all of this came to the light, I was so wounded, I swore off having more kids, feeling as though I would never be able to trust him again. But God. In time, trust was rebuilt in our, in our relationship. My heart began to heal, and I actually fell in love with my husband again. Light filled that which was once filled with darkness. God redeemed all the brokenness and in our intimacy from our early years. 
and yes, she wrote this. Yes, I mean, we actually have an awesome sex life. And he gave me the desire to grow our family again. Almost a year ago now, we welcomed our third little boy into the family, our joy boy, Ezra. More light, more life, metaphorically, but also literally in this case. <laughs> okay, and then this is what she says at the end. Along our healing journey, God has brought other hurting couples into our path who have, we've been able to mentor and minister to in their brokenness. Over the past year, we've had the chance to partner with our church and another church sharing our testimony. We're called to boldly share our story of light without shame, believing that God wants to do in others' marriages what he's done in ours. We don't mind sharing the darkness that once tried to bring death to our marriage and our family because of the way that Jesus has redeemed our pain, bringing light, hope, and joy. We received his light, and now we joyfully reflect his goodness to the world. He has our forever yes because he changed our lives and our children's lives and our children's children's lives. This is what Jesus wants to do in our dark world. Thank you, Cords for, Cord and Cassie for letting us share that story. You know, Jesus is calling us to have more light and more life. We're called to freely receive this light and then freely reflect it. This is our hope and this is our prayer. I'm gonna have a stand and then I'm gonna pray us into ministry today. Or worship, well, maybe it's both. Maybe that was prophetic. <laughs> What's amazing today is that completely unplanned, Cassie is leading us today in worship. And so she's going to release some of the things that Jesus just has done in her life. She's going to reflect his goodness. And I do believe that Jesus actually does want to do ministry today during worship. And so Jesus wants to shine his light on all those places. And Cassie and I will do some ministry time after we do worship. So, oh, Jesus, we just position our hearts before you. You are the light of the world. You shine your light into all the dark places. And so now we just, we, we position our hearts and we turn our affection towards you as we worship you. Come Holy Spirit. <laughs> 